G'day and welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLaren Vale. We hope you find this encouraging. A few years back, I started telling the kids the stories of, of Acts, the book of Acts. And it became a requested thing on our car rides. It was that I'd be driving and the kids would ask for another installment from the book of Acts. And so I would, as best as I could, paraphrase a particular chapter. Um, and it was good because I was going back to it, hoping they'd ask again, or just, you know, choosing to make sure they got it. Um, but to read it again and, you know, absorb it, try and understand it, and try and communicate it. And the kids over the past little while have been going through the book of Acts, and they've been doing the Discovery Bible Method in the book of Acts over the last two terms. And that's going to continue through the rest of this year and probably beyond. Uh, it's so good just to get stuck into, into Acts. And I want to catch us up a little bit. And hopefully it's helpful for the kids as well because you'll pick up on some of those stories that you've looked at in the DBM as we look at those first seven chapters of Acts. And, and the book of Acts is a sequel. So part one is the Gospel of Luke. And in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke begins to tell about all uh, that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up from them. And there was a period of about 40 days where Jesus was with his disciples after he had suffered and he was crucified and then he rose again. And in that time, he's telling them all about the kingdom of God. And right before he ascends up into heaven, he tells them they need to wait in Jerusalem, which is the city where they were, until... They received the gift from the Father. And he reminded them that John had baptized in water and they were going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit in just a few days. And then they said, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, oh, it's not for you to know the times and seasons appointed by my Father, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is the city where they were, in Judea, which is kind of like their state, and in Samaria, which is a region not too far away, but they were very suspicious of those in in Samaria, so think of Victoria, Um, and to the ends of the earth. So they were going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they were going to be his witnesses. And after he says this, he's taken up from them. And I don't know if Jesus had fun with this, whether he's like, and to the ends of the earth. (laughs) Or how it played out. But he literally rose up before their eyes. And it says, after he said this, he was taken up from them and a cloud took him away. And then, not surprisingly, the disciples are just looking up into the heavens. And there's two men in bright, shiny clothes who say, men of Galilee... Why are you looking up into the heavens? It's pretty obvious why they're looking up into the heavens. But Jesus, this same Jesus, who has been taken up before your eyes, will come again in the same way that he was taken up. And then they went back into Jerusalem. There was about 120 of them. And they were united in prayer. And Jesus stood up. It's not Jesus, because he had 
been lifted up, Peter stood up amongst them and said, what happened with Judas was actually prophesied. And it was also prophesied that someone else would take his place. So we are going to elect someone else to be the 12th apostle. And they cast lots after they'd prayed, and the lot fell to Matthias. And the requirement was it needed to be someone who had been with them from the baptism of Jesus right through to that moment. And had seen the whole lot. And as I said, the lot fell to Matthias. And then on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. And there was this sound, a sound like a violent rushing wind. And there were tongues of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them in different languages. And there were in Jerusalem at that time Jews from right around the world. Like at least a dozen different places are listed off from where they had come from. So a bunch of different languages that these people spoke as their mother tongue. And when people heard this violent rushing wind or the sound of a violent rushing wind, they came together to hear what it was. I think when that sort of thing happens, some people run away, others run towards. There was a whole bunch that ran towards to find out what this noise was. And then they are astounded because there's a bunch of Galileans who you might read as just country hicks. So these country bumpkins that are speaking all these exotic languages. It's like, what? There's no way that these Galileans would have been to these places and know these languages. And they are amazed and astounded as they hear the wonders of God declared in their mother tongue. But then there's some who are scoffing to saying, ah, nah, these guys are drunk on new wine. And then Peter stands up along with the other 11, which includes Matthias, and he says, fellow Israelites, these men are not drunk as you suppose. And then he gives what I consider a fairly weak argument, but nonetheless he says, because it's early. (laughs) It's 9 a.m., He says, but rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, male and female in those days, and they will prophesy. He was pointing to what had been declared many years prior as what was happening right there at that time. And he goes on to say that Jesus, Jesus whom you crucified, this becomes a bit of a pattern for Peter. He rubs it in. Whenever he mentions the name of Jesus, he tends to remind the Jews that they were the ones that crucified this Jesus. This Jesus that you handed over to lawless men, God raised up. And he points to things that King David had said as pointing to Jesus being a fulfillment as the Messiah. And then he says, this Jesus again, whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. 
And at that point, it says that those that were there were cut to the heart. And they said, brothers, what must we do? And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And then he said a bunch of other things as well and exhorted them to be saved from this corrupt generation. And then they had an epic baptism party. There was 3,000 people that were baptized that day. That's a pretty good day. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship, and to prayer. No one counted his possessions as his own, but they shared. There was no one that had any need because they all shared what they had. They met together daily in the temple courts and from house to house, and they ate and they drank with glad and sincere hearts, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And one day, Peter and John were on their way into the temple at the hour of prayer, and there was a man being carried in to the temple gate beautiful, and he was taken there every day to beg. And he asks for something from Peter and John. And Peter says, look at me. And he does, expecting to get something from him. And he says, I don't have what you're asking for, but I have what you need. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. He grabs him by the hand. He lifts him to his feet. His feet and his ankles become strong. And he jumps up. And he walks. This guy was over 40 years old. And he had been lame from birth. And he took his first steps when he was like my age or maybe even older. His first steps. He's pretty excited. He's walking and leaping and he's praising God. I picture him running, but no, it says very clearly in Acts chapter 3 that he's walking and he's leaping and he's praising God. And he's clinging to Peter and John in the temple. So he goes up with them into the temple, possibly his first time entering the temple because there were rules about who could go in. Possibly this is his first time actually in the temple and he's clinging to Peter and John, maybe one on each arm, I don't know. Clinging to them, walking and leaping and praising God and it's everyone else that does the running. It says they ran towards them at this site. They had seen this man begging at the temple gate and here he was Walking, leaping, praising. And Peter goes, oh, sermon number two. It's time for another baptism party. And so he says, why do you look at us as though by our power or our godliness that this man is healed? It is by the name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus? Yeah, the one you killed. (laughs) But God raised him up. It is by... His name, the name of Jesus, that this man stands healed and whole before you. He says, you guys acted in ignorance, as did your leaders when you handed Jesus over to be crucified. But now is the time to repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And he doesn't get to give the altar call 
in this particular scenario because the temple police have caught wind of what's going on, as has probably all of Jerusalem at this point, and they come in and they arrest them and they take them away for the night. But as it turns out, there may have been a baptism party that Peter and John weren't actually at because the number of men increases to 5,000. So from 120 people to, say, 3,120 people to 5,000 men. I don't know what it is with Luke, but there seems to be a thing. When there's 5,000 involved, he's only counting the men. So with the feeding the 5,000, it was men. And now with the 5,000 disciples, it was men. I'm assuming there was women and children as well on top of the 5,000. So we've got increase again. And then Peter and John get brought out the next day. They assemble the Sanhedrin, which is like the highest court in the land. And they um, challenge the disciples. Like, by what power or by what name did you heal this man? And Peter says, well, if you're asking about this good deed done to a disabled man, it was in the name of Jesus that you crucified, that God raised. It's in his name that this man stands perfectly healthy in front of you and they didn't know what to do with them so the Sanhedrin had no idea what to do with them so just like get out so they sent them out for a little while and they come together like what are we going to do and then someone has the genius idea of let's threaten them that should do the trick all right call them back in don't you dare preach in the name of Jesus again or else now go Um, So they went and then they gathered together with all of the disciples, so the 5,000 plus, I assume. So they gather together and they tell them what happened. And then they lift up their voices in prayer. And they're talking about how it's God's will, it's God's way, and so they're giving glory to him. All these things that seem to be negative, but God is still somehow in charge and behind things. And then they make this request. They say, Lord, consider their threats. And grant your servants boldness as you stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders and miracles. And then, after they've prayed, the place is shaken. They're filled with the Spirit and they begin to speak the Word of God boldly. They had no one that was in need. If anyone had land or had a house, they would sell it. And then they would bring the proceeds and lay at the apostles' feet and then they would distribute it as anyone had need. So Barnabas did that. Um, But then there was this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, and they make a plan to make it look as though they've done that, but they actually kept back part of the proceeds. So instead of saying, here's some of what we got, they said, here's everything we got from the sale of the land. So it was Ananias that went first. And he lays it at the apostles' feet. And Peter says, oh, this is everything you got from the sale of the land? And he said, every last cent. And Peter said, you haven't lied to men, but you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And Ananias drops down dead. And there was a fair bit of fear that spread as a result of this. Young men came in, picked him up, took him off, buried him. And then Sapphira comes in a little bit later, about three hours later. She comes in. And Peter says, is this the price you got for the land? He said, yep, that's all of it. It's like, why do you test God? And she falls down dead. 
And the same men that had buried her husband come in and they then go and bury her next to her husband. And great fear comes upon the whole church and on everyone that heard. But there was amazing things that were going on. Like there were signs and wonders that were happening. There was favor. No one dared join them, but they had the favor. Everyone spoke well of them. And people would bring out the sick and they would lay them on the streets in the hope that Peter's shadow might fall on them as he walked past. And they brought the sick from all over the region in order for the disciples to pray for them. And they prayed for them and everyone was healed. That's astonishing. Just like we would hear when Jesus prayed for people, all of them were healed. All the people that were brought to the disciples were healed. It's amazing. But then the Sadducees catch wind of what's going on. And they arrest the apostles and they put them in the public jail. And then during the night, the plan was, all right, so the next morning they're going to bring them out. But during the night, an angel of the Lord actually lets them out of prison. Come this way. And says, I want you to continue to tell the people about this life. And so they go into the temple at daybreak, at daybreak and continue to tell the people about this life. And so while that's happening, um, the Sanhedrin assembles again, the highest court in the land, or in the Jewish, amongst the Jewish people, and they call for the apostles to come in. All right, in you come. Um, but they weren't there. They had been released from prison, as we know. And they're like, what's going on? And then someone comes in and says, the same people that you put in prison are now back in the temple and they're preaching again. And so they brought them in and they're like, what's going on? We told you not to preach in this name again, but you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. To which Peter responds to saying, we are not going to obey you rather than God. Earlier, he had said a similar thing. You decide whether it's right for us to obey you rather than God. This time he says it more bluntly. We're not going to obey you rather than God. This is what we're appointed to do. And this time, like previously, they weren't sure what to do with him. This time, they were 100% sure what to do with him. We're going to kill him. That's it. They're done. But then this old fella, Gamaliel, stands up and just says, take the apostles out of here. Probably didn't call them apostles. He may have had another word from them. I don't know. Out they go. And then he starts to talk to the rest of those assembled there. And he's like, look, guys, you remember these couple of instances. And he, he talks about these guys that had led rebellions over previous years how they had gathered a group around them, but then the leader had died and the group eventually disbands and it comes to nothing. And he's like, the same thing will happen here. So this guy's died. Don't worry about it. It's going to come to nothing unless God is behind it and you don't want to be found fighting against God. And he convinces them. So they call the apostles back in but this time they actually whipped them. So they have got a punishment for them at this time. They whipped them. They tell them to stop it, to stop talking about Jesus. 
and they whip them and they send them off. And they go off rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer and be treated shamefully for the name of Jesus. And at this time, there's even priests from the priestly tribe who are coming to faith. And there's just increase all around. People are coming to faith left, right, and center. Good things are going on. But they have this issue where you've got the Greek-speaking and the Hebrew-speaking widows that are being looked after with the distribution of food. And the Greek-speaking Jews are concerned that their widows are being overlooked and the Hebrew speakers are being preferenced. And so the apostles bring together everyone. So the whole company, which is thousands at this point, they're like, it's not right for us to neglect the preaching of the word and prayer in order to wait on tables. So you guys need to pick seven men who are wise, they're in good uh, repute, and are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're going to take care of it. So, as a massive group, they managed to find these seven, including Stephen and Philip that we hear more about, and five others, and they bring them to the apostles. The apostles lay their hands on them, pray for them, commission them, um, and good things are going on. And this guy, Stephen, like there are signs and wonders, many signs and wonders, it says, were being performed by Stephen. It was epic. Not one of them is detailed, unfortunately. Just many signs and wonders were performed by Stephen at that time. And he um, has some people that challenge him, but they could not stand up against his wisdom and the spirit by whom he spoke. And then they got other people to make up stuff, and in the end he finds himself in front of the Sanhedrin on a charge of blasphemy. And the high priest says, what do you have to say for yourself? Are these things true? And then he takes a while to get there, but he starts talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he talks about Moses and David. Like he basically gives them their own history. And he points out, eventually, that they are stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and minds. And he says that they always resist the Holy Spirit. Your ancestors, there wasn't a prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even persecuted ones that foretold the coming of the righteous one that you betrayed and killed. And he says the law was given to you with angelic mediators and you haven't kept it. So the initial charge to him was that he was a blasphemer not keeping the law and he brings it back and just says, guys, you haven't kept it either. And then they want to kill him. And when they're not yet doing anything to move towards killing him, but they're gnashing their teeth at him. Anyone want to have got gnashing their teeth at me right now? Come on, gnash away. I'm not sure what it looks like, but probably not pretty. They're gnashing their teeth at him. And then it says Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit and he looks up into heaven and he, can see, he has this vision. He can see God, he sees Jesus at his right hand and then he just blurts it out. 
He's just like, look, I see God. He was already on charge for blasphemy. Look, I see God and the Son of Man at his right hand. And then they're not just gnashing their teeth anymore. They rush at, they block their ears. I can't hear any more of this blasphemy. And they rush at him and they pick him up and they take him out of the city because they needed to follow the law and made sure that he was outside of Jerusalem before they pelted rocks at him until he died. He said two things that are recorded after they started throwing rocks at him. He said, Jesus, receive my spirit. And he said, Lord, do not count this sin against them. And we're told that they laid their cloaks at the feet of a man called Saul. And that Saul was approving his death. And that there were devout men who buried Stephen that day. And there was this persecution that broke out. And that the disciples were scattered. They'd all been in Jerusalem. It's interesting that Jesus had said, stay in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. They kept staying in Jerusalem and then this persecution broke out and then they started to go. And this guy, Philip, so one of those seven, so Stephen just been martyred. Chris is telling me I'm going for too long. Um, and so Philip, who agrees? That's a dangerous question, don't worry. <laughs> Philip, <laughs> so Philip goes down to Samaria and Philip, um, they see signs and wonders all over the place in Samaria. And it is amazing what's going on down there. And they're astounded at it. They are coming to Christ. They're being baptized in the name of Jesus. And then it mentions this guy called Simon. Simon was the great power. And he'd astounded them for years with his sorcery. But even Simon becomes a follower of the way, a follower of Jesus. He's baptized in the name of Jesus. But then there's this really interesting thing that happens because Back in Jerusalem, they catch wind of what's going on in Samaria. And they send down Peter and John, and they come marching in, into Samaria. And to that point, none of them had received the Holy Spirit. They'd only be baptized in the name of Jesus. And so Peter and John lay hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. And then Simon reaches for his wallet and just like, how much is it going to cost? I want to be able to do that. Give me the ability to do what you just did when you laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting because he doesn't say, I want to be able to sell this thing. He's like, I want to pay for it. And then Peter gets stuck into him and basically says, to hell with you and your money. I think that's the message translation, near enough. Repent, and maybe God will forgive you for what you have just thought, for the inclination of your heart. No, he doesn't say maybe, so that. And I assume that he did. I assume that Simon did repent. But what I want to do today is I want us, Charlotte, if you could put up that slide, please. So... What I just paraphrase at the very end with another earlier one, very first slide, 
Yep. So Acts chapter 8 verses 4 to 25 tells the story of Philip in Samaria and then Peter and John coming down and you get more detail than what I just gave. Um, and so on your own, you can see the right-hand side. An option is to write the passage out in full. Don't do all um, 22 verses. So choose 5 to 12 verses and write the passage out in full and then paraphrase it into your own words and then write down your response to those questions. If you'd like to do it with others, which I recommend, then read it out loud twice. After you've read it out loud twice, you close your Bibles. And then you do what I've just been doing the last little while. And you recount as best as you can remember all the details from that. And once you've done that together, you open your Bibles back up and you have a look back through. And you see the things that you missed out and you see the things that you noticed. And then you answer those questions. What stands out to you? What will you do about it? Who will you tell? And it's really powerful to have that time of what's the whole thing saying before you ask what's really standing out. So I want to do that, but I also want to give the opportunity for anyone who would like to, to be prayed for, to be filled with the Spirit. And it's such an interesting one. Yeah, I can see why Christy gave me the wrap-up. It's such an interesting one, this area of being filled with the Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We have Paul who says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It doesn't say how to be filled with the Spirit in that particular instance. We've got this occasion where people have, the apostles lay their hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. We have back in um, the day of Pentecost where they're simply together in, in one place. There's a big noise and then they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They were told by Jesus it would happen. It doesn't say they were asking for it. It just happened. They were praying in chapter 4 and then it says they were filled with the Spirit after they had prayed. doesn't say they were asking for it there either. It just happened. Stephen was filled with the Spirit as he looks up and he sees heaven opened. Peter is filled with the Spirit as he responds to the Sanhedrin at one point. Like it spells that out. He was filled with the Spirit. And what we see in chapter 1, when Jesus tells them about the Holy Spirit, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? What was the purpose of that power? Amen. And so we see... Yes, there is a time that people speak in tongues. It happens a couple of times where people are baptized in the Spirit and they speak in tongues. But the purpose that Jesus mentions is to be his witnesses. And so those times that they're speaking in tongues, they're declaring the wonders of God in languages they haven't actually learnt. It's pretty cool. But the grand purpose of being filled with the Spirit is to be his witnesses. And I just want to give an opportunity for anyone who's like, I want to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe you've never consciously been baptized in the Spirit or filled with the Spirit previously. I want to give an opportunity where we'll pray for you to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe it's something that you've experienced before and you're like, I want to be filled with the Spirit afresh right here, right now. Then I invite you to come out. We'll have just a section over here um, beneath the painting of the Lord's Supper. 
that will be our setting. Um, and we'd love to pray with you in agreement for that infilling of the Spirit afresh. So we'll do this for about the next uh, 10 minutes and then have an opportunity for that um, as well. And then we will close uh, with, with song. So read, come down here if you'd like to um, be prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit.